It's the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy Seafood, the only Baltimore podcast that includes the undisputed king of Orioles Twitter. It's Banks, RDT, and myself, Taylor Smythe, back for another episode. And what a better time to be crowned the king of Orioles Twitter, RDT, than heading in to opening day. The birds are back Thursday in Boston. It might rain. We might actually not get an Orioles game. But there's going to be baseball played this week in Boston and New York and then back in Baltimore. RDT, as we said, you have the crown. You, you, you rip through the competition. You're the UCLA of the Orioles, you know, whatever that contest was that <laughs> crowned you the king. Uh, what do you have to say? It, it, th- th- those are back. This is your show. This is, this is your team. It's all of our team. But, you know, just, just yeah. break it down for us. Break down I the mean- field. It's just it's it's a great sign with baseball being back. It's just like because again, like I feel like baseball kind of March Madness kind of tips that off. But like you get that run where it's like March Madness, baseball, the Masters. You go right into that Fourth of July or you know that not Fourth of July, the May. You you the April rolls through with baseball, and then it, we're in such a great time for like sports and baseball being like right in the middle, right in the middle of a great tournament too. By the way, like obviously. We, we didn't get it last year, but this, the tournament's been great this year. We didn't get no, a real opening day last year. So just having that back is awesome. And again, it's kind of a tease that the Orioles start on the road for two series and yeah, they may not play. You, you may, by the time you're listening to this, the game may already be canceled, but um, I, I think Friday is pretty good. So you're going to get a game Friday. You're going to, you're going to get Saturday. So even if we do have an, an off day tomorrow, what's one more day to wait? Um, you know, we got a bunch of games tomorrow anyways, too. So I, even if the Orioles aren't playing, I could sit down and I'll watch the Yankees get their dicks kicked in. I'll watch, you know, the Nats hopefully put up an egg or two, but I mean, baseball being back is just the best. And even if there aren't high expectations for the Orioles, it's, it's still baseball and, and it's, it'll be good to get out there to the yard eventually. And again, just, just to watch our guys. It's going to be a hell of a lot of baseball. And just like you said, it's going to be awesome to just have that onslaught. It's coming on, like you said, just at the right time when we're coming off this, this college basketball high where it's just every, every night. This Right now as we're recording feels like the first night in a while where there's just nothingness. We're just kind of bored to death. I mean, NBC Sports Network had on a team on an 18-game losing streak tonight against another team that's been falling apart at the seams, the, the Flyers. So – there's nothing to watch on TV tonight. And tomorrow we're just going to get this beautiful gift of all this baseball. And it might not be the Orioles tomorrow. It might be, but um, for a lot of people here in this city and, and, you know, I'm not going to bash anybody who has this type of mentality, but the season really starts when the Orioles are, are back at the yard. And so, although only what a quarter of the people can possibly be there uh, next Thursday, I think when that really comes back and you get the vibe and the buzz around the yard and people are excited about it. I think that's when people will really dive into Orioles baseball. Yeah. It's exciting just to get them back and, and have baseball sort of as like a consistent thing throughout uh, the next, you know, months and months and months. We've kind of dabbled around previewing this team for, I feel like weeks now since the Raven season ended, we've kind of jumped in and out of analyzing the roster for you guys, I'll have you guys pick one guy. I'll pick one as well. Who are you most excited to see? I know that's a very, you know, general question, but who are you, you know, when they step up to the plate or get on the mound, 
over the next week or so, you're like, that's the guy I kind of want to see on this roster as we start. You want to pick a minor league guy, fine. But Eric, who is your, who's kind of your guy that you just kind of want to see get out there? I mean, for me, it's got to be Ryan Mountcastle. Like I am, I'm legitimately, I, I have some like legit expectations for Mountcastle. I think he, he, I mean, he has grown manpower. Like we've seen it and that's been his story since he came into the organization six years ago. Like the guy hasn't, he had a major league ready bat. They couldn't find a spot for him. Now they, they found, you know, a spot where he's not terrible, but he's not going to win you a gold glove. Um, but I, I mean, some of the home runs we saw him hit last year and like the people I know, I know that work in Norfolk, like when he was there, I mean, it's hard to hit home runs there. They said they were retrieving balls out of places. These people who work in the stadium have never been before. They were like, we've, we've never been up here. We've never had to get a ball over here. Um, he, he's going to, he, he's a legitimate candidate for AL rookie of the year. Um, so he, I think he's going to put on a show this year. I, I'm very excited for him. Still, I mean, he's still a kid. He's still growing. Like he reminds me, he has that body frame of Machado when he, when Manny was doing his 50 doubles and we're saying, you know, wait till these doubles turn into, you know, home runs and he puts some meat on his shoulders and, and, you know, he, he bulks up like that's, I feel like that's what we're going to get out of Mountcastle. Like, I don't think 30 home runs is out of the question. I mean, he's going to play and he's going to play a lot. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm super excited for him. Uh, that definitely got it. I'm, I'm keeping an eye on. I have to keep my eye on and I'm very excited boys and girls for Chris Davis, my guy, Chris Davis, uh, coming in here, uh, you know, he's on the back half of this contract and, you know, you pay a premium for these large contracts where you get a lot of production on the front end and then things start to go a little South towards the end. You see with Albert Pujols, Just a little south. we're seeing it here from Chris Davis, where maybe the performance is starting to teeter off a little bit where, you know, people are starting to whisper a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see if he comes out here and, um, you know, you really can't even say this without a smile on your face. <laughs> yeah, you can't even yeah, get through the whole shtick. Well, you ruined the shtick when you when you pointed out that I'm 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 trying not to to smile too much. <laughs> you're absolutely you're absolutely chuckling right now. Uh, I'm chuckling now because you because you called me out on it. Is this an April Fool's thing or? Oh, don't do that. Don't I I I have a go off king and you're just leaking oil on it right now. Uh, no, the real answer is Trey Mancini. You got to be excited to see Trey Mancini back out there. Um, if, if the Red Sox fans don't give him an ovation tomorrow, I will be disgusted. And my opinion of such a, a sparkling clean fan base will be ruined. Um, so yeah, yeah you couldn't even say that without smiling. And I could, yeah, no, I could. I, I think they will give him an ovation. I think, I think they will too. Enough fan base. I mm-hmm. you know, obviously a, a controversial fan base at times, but they know their baseball pretty well. I, I think there will be at least an elevated level of cheering for Trey when he debuts out there. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. For me, I, I, this is, this is a, a little bit of a, of a potential train wreck pick as, as well to, to combine off your, your Chris Davis, your seriousness there. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be weird to watch Matt Harvey pitch for the Orioles considering everything that's happened with him, you know, being such a, a, a shooting star with the Mets at one point, and then essentially almost being out of baseball within the last, you know, 12 to 18 months. Now he starts as the number two starter on a major league baseball team. And by all accounts has recovered some of the form from before. I mean, who knows what this is going to look like. I think we've covered this many times that, you know, this is one the Orioles hope goes well for two months and they'd probably dump them to somebody else. But I think it will just be fascinating to see a guy, 
try to revive his career. I think it's a very interesting story outside of, oh my gosh, what's going to happen with Matt Harvey from, you know, you know, from, you know, gawking at a perspective. This is a guy that mentally, I'm sure you, you come off of just being so incredible at one point and having, you know, you look at 10 years into your future and you think, oh, I'm going to do all these things. And then, you know, you're, you're, you're with the worst, you're with the Royals last year, you're with the Orioles now. I mean, it's got to be a very interesting sort of career path for the guy. And I respect him for sticking with it. And I'm going to respect him when he goes out there and pitches for a team that has essentially no expectations to do anything um, as a guy that's just trying to, to recover and get his career back in order. I think that's going to, I think it's going to be fascinating to watch for as long as it goes and however it ends. I think it's going to be very interesting. A lot of, a lot of crash and burn potential for sure. Yeah. And also, but also the potential for, you know, you go three starts in and, and, you know, he's pitched pretty well and it's, it's sort of an uplifting story too. I think that's, there's also that potential. I don't know how much in the middle there is to those two things. Um, But I think as, as far as it goes, it's going to be pretty interesting. Uh, I'm with you on the, like there, I don't know how much in the middle, I think he's either going to be, like you said, like good. I think he's going to be serviceable or I think he's going to be, terrible and it's like all right we got to cut bait with this guy asap um and and like like you said like there's a lot a lot of bust potential and and i'm reading the scouting report from our buddy clem he says it comes fast and furious with him so when it when he goes he's gonna go quick but i i still give him credit just because he flat out said that he came to the orioles because of their like analytic department and like the stuff that they've seen and and all that and like two years ago that would have been insane to even mutter those words but here we are we got uh we got matt harvey on the on the bump for the second game he was a big uh like what like nightclub guy in new york city like where do you think he's gonna be hanging out around here that's what i'm saying so like i i went on a yankees podcast this week and was talking about him and i said you know new york it's it's real spread out you can go places and, and maybe not be seen maybe be seen if you want it's like baltimore we kind of know all the areas like we, yeah. uh, i'm sure we can if we have to do some like like a, a bed check almost like <laughs> we can knock on don't know we can go to jimmy's and and see if he's there like i'm sure we could drag him into his bed but uh i said i i don't know if he's going to be like a sydney ponson and taking a, the limo back from new york to go to the metallica concert at psi net when the when the orioles were in new york city but um i, I don't get me wrong i'm i'm sure matt harvey can find a place to uh to get after in Baltimore. I'm trying to think of what that place might be. Uh, what is the upscale? Bring the guy to the uh, Rockwell. Oh, man. <laughs> he would love Rockwell, I'm sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about any of that, to be honest. I, I, I do. I do. I love the Rockwell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, we love the Rockwell. Everyone loves. Yeah, we like, love the yeah. Rockwell. Matt, get Matt Harvey to the Rockwell. My last Matt Harvey quick thing as I was talking to uh, Maryland pitching coach Corey Mascara the other day. The performance center, uh, shout out to Moose, the performance center that Matt Harvey worked with, the baseball performance center in New in Jersey. New Jersey, right? Yeah. Has gotten it, – it's, it's one that Moose is close with the guy, Mike Adams, that is that sort of helped you – know, the co-owner of that place has kind of helped Matt Harvey along. And he essentially reached out to them almost and just said, look, I need to get my stuff reworked. Can you guys work with me? And it was, it's interesting to hear the amazing culture that place, that specific place has – um, that kind of got him back to where he you know, needs to be and that the Orioles sort of saw the metrics they were tracking at that place and said, that's why we're going to sort of give you a shot. Very interesting because the Orioles couldn't look at much pitching success. They're essentially taking a remade Matt Harvey sort of in the pitching lab, which you see these places around the country now um, that kind of take guys 
you know, and, and remake them as pitchers. And, and you guys know baseball better than I do, but a pretty amazing thing for a guy to get remade at this point of his career and for the Orioles and to now be starting as, you know, the second guy on a major league baseball team. It's, it's a pretty crazy story. I think you got to give him again, like just give him some credit because again, he, a guy with that ego, a guy who five years ago, six years ago, we're talking about, he may be the best pitcher in baseball. He's going to be a no doubt, you know, Mets legend. They're going to go to X amount of world series. They're going to win all these world series and he's going to be the King of New York. And you flash forward and yeah, we're six years later, he's in Baltimore, Maryland, or he's in, you know, that place in New Jersey. And he basically said, break me down and build me back up. Um, I mean, it's got to do a lot to your ego again, after his, his stops in Kansas city and, and in LA, like he was terrible. He think an ERA over 11 last year. Uh, and for, for him to go, I, I think he recognizes that this is a last chance. And like, if he can't cut it with the Orioles, then after not cutting it with the Royals and stuff like that, I, I think he knows he's definitely got the different mindset than he had back when he was in New York and running around chasing tail up there. Um, and I, I think you just got to give him all the credit in the world for just being able to be like, hey, I'm not the same guy that I was. And, and if I want to continue this career, I, I got to change something or I got to switch this up. And, and, and he did it and, and good for him. And I, I'm sure, I mean, making a team was probably just a huge, you know, just it was it had to be huge for him just to get, you know, kind of over that bump. So I, I'm just excited to see him. And, and I, I hope that I hope that we get good Matt Harvey, obviously. What would you define – what would you guys define for this season from a success perspective? What, what do you hope to see? Obviously, this team is not projected to do anything of any sort of substance from a winning perspective. I think that's a realistic expectation for more Orioles fans. Obviously, if we went in a position where they started to win, that would be great. That's not what we're looking for at this point. What do you guys perceive as success as this team seems to be almost – I guess in year two of what looks like a five to six year plan for success, which some people are on board with. I think there's a segment of baseball people and Orioles fans that are not on board with that long of a rebuild. Maybe it comes quicker. Maybe it doesn't, but this is going to be kind of a weird year in that sense. You're going to watch guys that maybe get flipped for more organizational prospect depth. We're going to watch guys get pushed up into the majors. Mount castle is such an exciting piece of the guys that are actually going to you know, be part of the future. What do you guys deem a success for this club this year? I think just a team that goes out there, competes. I mean, if they're, if they're losing six to five every night and they lose because Judge hits a home run off Tanner Scott in the ninth or something like that, and it's like, well, you know, they almost got it. it you know, it was a hell of a game. But if they're out there, if they're losing 10 to four and we're, we're three pitchers in, and it's the and it's the you know eighth inning or whatever, and you've gone through five guys. Then and you're throwing the ball around, you're booting the ball around. You got three errors in the game, and Brandon High looks like he wants to kill himself in the dugout. Like those are those are going to be the games that that that's going to be hard to take. I think this team is talented enough to to, to again like they're going to compete, they're going to win games. I think they're going to hit. Obviously, pitching is the big thing. Um, the rotation doesn't scare anyone, like we just talked about with Matt Harvey being number two. But um, I, I, just a team that goes out there, and again, I think they're going to win. I think they're going to win a couple games they shouldn't. They're going to surprise some people. But just a team that goes out there and can kind of hold their own. I mean, like I said, they, they've, they, they won 25 games last year. They finished 10 games under 500. It's nothing to really write home about. But I, I think we saw a little of that 
last year. And, and just the, the young guys coming up and producing. John Means having a good bounce back season. Mount Castle coming back and, and hitting and playing like he know like we know he can. Dean Kramer having a good um, you know, another a good another good season and seeing the young guys that do come up, seeing them produce and and be able to hold their own. Yeah, no, I th- I think that um, the progress is what the people want to start to see, and and I'm right there with them. In particular, for me, I want to see the arms come along, and I want to see, uh, at least at at the at the very least, I want to have a year where there's no Tommy John surgeries going on. It just seems like that's something that's plagued this organization for a very long time. And outside of I guess Hunter Harvey, I feel like we've kind of dodged that bullet for the most part since the Bundy Gaussman uh, duo kind of came through. So I think that's just kind of like a prerequisite for people to just see these Orioles pitching prospects move along, start to produce and start to be reliable because it's, it's very much something that I think Orioles fans associate with the the past regimes, whether it be the Dan Duquette's or the the Andy McPhail or from um, those times before where the, the Orioles would consistently have these top prospects and none of them would seem to pan out when it came to the arms. Next to that, uh, I heard Mike Bordick say on, on I, f- I forget what, at some point this week that, um, you know, Major League Baseball clubs should be judged by their wins. And I don't know that I feel as strongly about that sentiment as he was when he was saying it. But the over-under for this team, it depends on where you look, but it's around 63 or 64 and a half wins. And I'd like to see them kind of push that 70 number a little bit. I, I like the way that they competed Last year, they stayed in a lot of games. Um, they probably got the benefit with the shortened season of not having to ride their arms so much, and it'll be more of a grind for this bullpen to carry this team for 162 games, especially with, I mean, in the spring training, we saw we didn't see any of these guys really stretch out and, and go more than four or five innings. So especially in the early going, there's a, there's a real opportunity for these arms to start to get taxed. And I'd, I'd be interested to see how this team kind of holds up as the season goes on because it can really wear down on a team. But the, they're, they're in, again, is the opportunity for some of these younger guys to come in from the minors uh, later in the year and have opportunity to prove themselves. I mean, we know the names D.L. Hall and, and Grayson and all those big names that are prospects, but there's some underlying guys too that maybe could get a chance um, to kind of make that step and maybe be that next John Means that would be a cool thing to have a, one of those mid-tier prospects kind of break through and, and kind of uh, get their feet wet and, and show their worth. So, um, you know, we're all hoping that we see some of these young guys that the names we hear over and over, we hope to see them get some action and, and show the promise that we've all been hoping for. But I, I would like to see a couple, couple, uh, couple guys out of left field, so to say, just to kind of break through and, and, and see what they can do. Yeah, you have some of those underlying pitching prospects like a, a Keegan Aiken or a Michael Bauman, some of those guys yeah. that you hope can kind of fill in behind your top, top end guys as you go through the next few years, you know, or, or on the position player side, a guy like Yusniel Diaz, who, you know, obviously a gem of a trade a few years ago, can he sort of step up and be a factor later in the year once he goes through some minor league ball? I'm not sure. We're still not sure really what minor league ball is going to look like. I mean, they've announced some things, but you just kind of never know how that's going to go. My kind of connecting up with you said pushing the 70 wins banks. I want to see how almost from a philosophical standpoint, they balance creating a winning culture with Brandon Hyde with also following their principles of 
remaking the organization from a player talent standpoint. You, I think you can those, just say it losing. I mean, <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm not saying losing. I'm, I'm not, because I don't think the goal is to lose quote unquote, Correct. You're doing stuff like this. You're trying to figure out the, they're not straight tanking. At least I don't think they're straight no. tanking. Um, but how do you balance those two things to where if you feel like you're winning, you still trade guys that are helping you win to get you to a certain place years down the road you have to make sure that doesn't break down the guys you have in your organization and your clubhouse, especially your manager who's trying to go out there and, and throw out a lineup to win every single day. I think that's a really hard thing to balance. And it's, I think why you see when teams do these rebuilds, normally the coach at the beginning of the rebuild or the head coach of the manager is not the one when the team is good because it's so hard to take the jump from a four year rebuild to then, you know, resetting on a team. That's good. We just saw that with the Sixers. We just saw that with the Sixers. Brett Brown could not get to the end of the line from full rebuild to let's try to win a title. So I'm interested to see how Brandon Hyde deals with that continuously when he gets to before the trade deadline and he's got three guys that are playing a little out over their skis and Michael Elias says we're dealing them to get the ninth-ranked prospect from the Angels, <laughs> which is possible because we continue to get prospects from the Angels. Uh, or the Mets or the Yankees or whoever it is that you're trying to make a little better so you can make yourself better down the road. That's fascinating to me. It was fascinating to me last year when they, as you said, competed very well throughout the entirety of the shortened season when, you know, me and everybody else was going, you know, tank for Kumar, tank for lighter tank. And then the problem is then, you know, you win a series against the Yankees or you win a series against the Blue Jays or, or anybody else or the Rays. And you say, Oh, that was fun. That felt good. Yeah. Those are two interesting feelings, not only to balance within the organization, but also within your fan base. Um, and that will be a storyline for the entire season. It's just going to be a continuation of last year where when they're, they're down 10 to one, you're like, Oh, this is great. This is great. Now we get a higher draft pick. But then when you're up eight, six in the ninth against the, against, you know, a mediocre Red Sox, you're like, Oh, I would love to win this game. This would feel so good to beat them. I think they it's swept okay. the Nats. It's such a weird, the Nats, a team like the Nats, you know, you want to yeah. beat the teams. I don't want to lose to the Nats. But then I also, you know, I'm looking at, you know, the top ranked high school pitcher in Kansas City. And I'm like, oh, you know, that guy would be good when I'm 37. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's just a very weird thing to balance. So I'm interested to see how they do that for the most part as they go through. Uh, what is the weather report tomorrow, RDT? Do you have a breaking weather so, for us? So I are actually going to play any baseball tomorrow. I talked to, I have boots on the ground in Boston from someone with the team. Um, and they're weather report was parents are in new england say says it might be bad in the morning and then gets better i hope so there you um, and i'm gonna do a little little weather.com check right now for boston um two, uh, all, all week i had seen that it, it's just not, it's not looking good yeah we had the weather today that's obviously getting up there uh 210 eastern time would be first pitch for uh mr means and the uh, and the orioles Nathan 110 on Saturday, 110 on Sunday, Matt Harvey, Bruce Zimmerman. <laughs> but then again, so like I was having a conversation today with, with a buddy who was like the, the, the Orioles rotation is the worst in baseball. And I sent him a link. Have you guys seen the Red Sox pitchers? It's not good. It's not good. All right, here you go. Pete Abraham tweeted out hashtag Red Sox rotation, Eovaldi, TBA, Richards, Pavetta, Perez. I mean, <laughs> yeah. call me a homer if you want. Games. Give me yeah. the Orioles. Like I said, the Orioles may sweep this series. Like Maybe. it's a 
TBA is going to be some guy, Hulk, H-O-U-C-K. I mean, Garrett Richards, Nick Pavetta, Martin Perez. I mean, I'm not, I'm not shivering in my boots right now. So here we go. Tomorrow's forecast for Boston. Thursday, April 1st. We got rain all morning, it looks like. Um, like 40, 50. That's their rotation. My guy, Mike Schwarren, can't get in there. That's, that's tough saying. Come on, Mike. Get it. Get um, this it, guy, my guy a chance. It does look like the rain is going to drop off right at 2 o'clock. So it, it, it shows the, a decent percentage of rain up until 1, 1 p.m. And then they after that – push it back. I should. I, yeah, I mean, I don't know logistically what they have with opening day. I don't know what they're doing. Fly over or whatever. And, and make it like a 5, 6 o'clock game. Yeah, everybody just, wants it that way. Just in time for steak night. Exactly. Just in time a, for Jimmy Seafood after work. Yeah. Uh, up some crab uh, egg rolls. Yeah, you're just in time for opening day. So that's that's you know it'll be interesting to watch this Orioles team throughout. You know I think this will be an ever evolving roster, which will probably be one of the fun parts about following the team. Is every week we're probably having a new guy to talk about, whether guys getting brought up, them making trades, them signing. I mean, they're just you know they're going to kind of kind of work through the roster. I think throughout the season, and and we're going to see what happens here. Um, is shout out to shout out to all the uh, the Orioles employees that are getting back to their normal sort of routines as well. Obviously, you know, tough situation with the organization for a while, you know, now sort of back into a little bit more normalcy as they, as they roll through and, and shout out to fans being back in Camden yards. I think that's going to be really, really cool. We'll talk about that more next week, but you know, that's, that's going to be an exciting happening as we go through. Ravens news, Sammy Watkins, now official. We talked about it ad nauseum last week. So I think most of our discussion points kind of fit into this week. A one-year deal. I, I think it's, as we, we talked about in the last episode, I think it's, you know, the right signing to make. I think the, you know, the floor is obviously an injury-riddled one-year campaign. The ceiling is that he becomes, you know, as you said, Banks, sort of an elevated version of Willie Sneed the contract seems reasonable and in, in, in the range of what we talked about last week, but you know, a move the Orioles or excuse me, a move the Ravens make as they head towards the draft to kind of shore up the receiver position. Yeah. I think it's definitely the right price. I mean, relative to what the offers were for T Y Hilton, who of course is more established, more consistent, but is kind of teetering off um, as is he he's going into his thirties, you know, Sammy Watkins is, is about to turn 28 years old and, we know he has all the upside. We talked about it a lot last week. And I think at that price for that, you know, one year, uh, it's, it's just the right deal I, I, for what this team wants to do with their cap space and, and for, you know, what his capabilities are. He's a great receiver between the numbers. He just like Sneed was, he can do all those things. He can run all kinds of routes. Um, he gave Richard Sherman some trouble, um, if I'm remembering, yeah, yeah, in the Super Bowl last year, not this most recent one, obviously, but um, gave him some issues there. You know, he's he's still got something in the tank for sure. He's not on the older side, um, so uh, you know, this was always going to be like a position that needed to be addressed in some manner, whether we go after somebody in the draft or not. So this was the opportunity to do that, and and the you know the, we can't move the draft up. 
we can't completely address the receiver position the way that we probably had planned to because of reasons I said last week, we're always going to go for the, the more cost-effective manner, which is the draft. We can't move that up any sooner. So all this frantic, like waiting and, and impatience from the fan base, like there was nothing they could do other than do pretty much what they just did. Galladay was never going to come here and we were never going to pay him what he was going to get. It just wasn't an option. So Sammy Watkins, one year, $5 million. I like the signing. I can't sit here and say I love the signing. It's not going to change us all that much, but it's somebody, It's a position that we need to do something about, and we've done it. So uh, kudos to, to Eric DaCosta for getting something done here. Um, yeah, they swung and missed on a couple of guys, but uh, at the very least, I I'm, I like that they didn't overpay for guys, and they, they kind of put their foot in the ground and stuck to their principle on what they're willing to pay a guy, and this is this is what the outcome was. Yeah, I think that now the sort of attention turns towards the draft and the receiver smoke just continues with the Ravens. The, the two stories sort of in the last 24 to 48 hours, and you, you tweeted about Terrence Marshall from LSU, sort of a lot of smoke at the end of the first round. And Shannon Sharp brought up Antonio Brown again on Undisputed about the, you know, some interest for the Ravens and him. Uh, Skip Bales put out a tweet sort of teasing that. I'm sure that got Ravens fans to get about the potential for AB. He is the lone free agent, I believe, that Tampa has not brought back yet. Um, There's some talk of some Seattle interest in him as well. We shall see. Yeah, they. that was a screen grab that came across the internet, and, and it said, like, Ravens reportedly interest in Antonio Brown. And literally nobody had reported that, but they were discussing it as if it had been a report. Well, Shannon so- Sharp sort of reported it. He, he said it almost like he had some information. His exact, his exact yeah, quote right. is, I heard the Ravens are still in the market for Antonio Brown, but the thing is the price for him. If it wasn't for the price, guess where he'd already be? Like all the rest of the guys that went back to the Tampa. So essentially saying that Antonio's price potentially prices out Tampa, and so he may have to go elsewhere. I'm, I'm going to say the same thing I said maybe earlier this season. It may have been before that, before we had even started this podcast, when people were starting to talk about the Antonio Brown thing. Antonio Brown has domestic violence incidents in his past. The Ravens have to, have drawn a line in the sand after all the transgressions that happened. We don't have to get into all that. But they said, we are not going to be taking on players with those issues, period. And since me- that statement was made, they have not done that. And from what I have been had communications with, with my usual people who I talk to that know things, that is the stance in which they are, they are taking until they don't take that stance anymore. So until that stance changes, they're not interested in Antonio Brown. So I, I, I've done as much as I can to nip that in the bud and I can't stop Shannon Sharp from saying what he's saying, but immediately cut Earl Thomas after a domestic uh, dispute as well. I'm sorry. Oh. I immediately cut Earl Thomas after, uh, you know, domestic. well, his wasn't the well, domestic. That, that was a weird one, <laughs> but it's still, uh, domestic incident. That's why I didn't say domestic violence, domestic incident. They cut he, him for being an asshole to his teammates, but I'm I saying that kind of broke a little there. bit, but yes, yeah. but yes. So, but I'm, what I'm saying is they, they're definitely not, you know, going to like sit around and yeah. take a lot of, they uh, are culture oriented. Yes. Yes. So, but the Antonio Brown smoke is continuing going to be there. And who knows? I think, the rate, if you're on the Antonio Brown side, it's a convenient thing to put out there because it's a natural connection. A team that needs a wide receiver, a team that has your cousin on it, 
you know, yeah. do, try to do a little contract negotiating in the press. That's, that's not out of the question. And, and he, it, it continues to be the same two teams though. It continues to be Seattle. Yeah. yeah. And I should, I should also, I should also say like from a football standpoint, yeah, there probably is a fit. There's some things that make sense there. Of course um, it's a fit. He's good. And and the Ravens <laughs> and the Ravens need receivers. And, and the Ravens and Steve Bashotti and Eric DeCasa, they reserve the right to change that policy, but all signs point and everything that I've heard is that is the policy. It would be a fascinating PR situation for them to try to walk that back on a guy they that at this point is do, universally reviled by the league. They would have to do an extraordinary the- amount of due diligence. Yes. And, and probably the problem for them is diligence. the problem for them is he is such a loose cannon, at least from what we've seen, maybe he has, you know, gotten it back together and that would be great for him. And, you know, but you just not sure what you're going to get from that guy on a day-to-day basis. The risk doesn't seem, I mean, he was good last year. I mean, he was good in an offense that had 400 weapons. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it got brought up. We have to talk about it. It got brought back up again. Uh, Terrence Marshall is awesome. He would be, I mean, I would, you know, would love to have him. The draft stuff, you know, would kind of become more into, into view as, as we, we, we move towards the draft, which is, you know, under a month away now, which is just wild to me. What uh, about, um, we're starting to hit these things that happened during the pandemic, like the heavy version of the quarantine pandemic, we're obviously not out of the pandemic, but, um, the NFL draft was just such a seminal moment in the middle of the early part of quarantine and things like that. Heading back towards it. What are your thoughts on uh, on uh, Bernard Pollard, Baltimore's uh, forgotten son? <laughs> I uh, saw working out again. That was. Yeah. I mean, did you see the videos? They were. <laughs> he looked like um, when <laughs> looked you like take a... when you take like your your overall sixty player in Madden two thousand four, and you do the SWAT ball drill, and they just like <laughs> try to do those like jumping interception move, and they just can't catch it, or they just like you can just tell that they just don't have it. They're just You're like a second too late and like everything's kind of delayed. And yeah. 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 It was like, looks. like rookie Dewan Landry when you could be improving your Ed Reed, but you're just <laughs> like Landry's kind of mixing great. the ricochet yeah. shot at Dewan Landry. He's, he was good Raven, but, yeah. but you get what I'm saying. Like you're just trying to beef up your player down on the roster. And he just like, isn't that great at the swap ball drill when you know you could just be crushing it with Ed Reed. Who's your favorite Ed Reed strong safety partner? Uh, probably Will Demps. Yeah, he's I think an early I, one. I think a lot of people would say that. Who's the um, not not Zibikowski. Well, Zibby is probably my favorite, but he was never really the starter. Who, who wasn't there? Boxer, people forget that. Jim Leonard. Jim Leonard. All right, Jim Leonard's my favorite. It is oh, my favorite. You know, but I'm, it's always shocking when you go back and you look at it. He only played one year with the Ravens. It felt like so much more. He was the, the 2008 season. He was the other safety and the punt returner. And I've never seen somebody go more North South and pick up 12 yards on every single punt return. And just, he would never, I don't think he housed any, but he had a couple big ones that were like 30, 40, 50 yards. And those like those Steelers Ravens games where that one punt return was just really crucial to flipping the field position. It felt like he did that every other week where he just would do like something like that went for a team in 2008 with a rookie quarterback that could not move the football very well. Jim Leonard was the most dependable punt returner I've ever seen. You know, I, I got another name for you from that draft class, Haruki Nakamura. 
Okay, that's a good name. That is a good name. Yeah, he's he's a popular guy too. Ed Reed can make anybody look popular. Yeah, he he Ed Reed could have played with us next time. But it's funny. Pollard like made named Scott Harbaugh. He was like he said like you know that he was that something about how he had talked to or not talked to but like was in. He would love to play for him again. Say so would love to play for him again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course so he would. would. Yeah, I would love to play for anybody that would, you know, pay me. Yeah. So would I, Bernard. Six, seven figures to play football. I mean, I, I mean, it, credit to him if he can come back. He credit must be down bad. Some of these Ravens yeah, secondaries. <laughs> some of these Ravens secondaries are just tremendous. 2010, Chris Carr, Dewan Landry, Haruki Nakamura, Ed Reed, Fabian Washington, Corey Ivy, 2006. Darius Webb, Kerry Williams, Josh Wilson, Thomas Bukowski. Josh Wilson, Maryland, terrible. Yeah, terrible. Great. Damn and good. Before Damn that, right before that, Foxworth, Dominic Foxworth, ESPN's finest, Maryland's finest. Maryland's also finest. Also, scholar. Also on the, that guy. On the Raven. Very much a scholar. Very smart guy, Dominic Foxworth. It's just very funny to, to go back through this. Oh, and Shaky Brown. People had high ups for him. <laughs> um, God, this is, this is funny to look back through. And there's Bernard Pollard, first year, 2011. Zibikowski still on the team. Jimmy Smith as a rookie. Could do this for could do could do that forever. But yeah, um, we'll see what happens with Bernard Pollard. He he may have a better chance playing in the Jimmy. <laughs> I don't think we're gonna see what happens. No, we're gonna see what happens. No, we're gonna last. We're gonna talk or hear podcasts. I will be tracking it every week. I I may come back with a Bernard Pollard update every week. <laughs> so Taylor, Taylor, what did you say before? Before what was the last thing you had said? Good luck to Bernard said, Pollard. Good luck to Bernard Pollard. But then he may, you said he may he may play chance of playing in the Jimmy Seafood flag football tournament than playing in the I, NFL. I sent the Bernard Pollard video to Johnny and he said maybe he can try out for your team next year. And I said <laughs> I said we'll we'll see what we can do. So yeah, that, I think that uh I think that's all time tight in that Bernard Pollard. Yeah, he sucks. <laughs> hey, hey, he loves chopping it up on Twitter though. I almost tagged him or uh, the intern almost tagged him in that tweet today just to see if he would uh, go back, get a little back and forth going. Mm. He probably would. He would oh, probably 100%. get on the show. We should I reach guess. out to him. We can reach out to him one. right now and we'd have him on in like two minutes. Tell him talk about, we'll talk about the comeback. That'd be great. Put yeah, we're guestless this week. Maybe we could just toss him on the pod. Yeah, call him now. Call, remember when we were going to DM Des Bryant after the game to try to get him on? Let's see if we can get Bernard Pollard on the next you know, 20 minutes. We could have gotten him on mid-game. With all that vino he was drinking, all that vino he was drinking. Uh, with that said, you're, uh, you 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 spoiled the uh, the transition there. No guests this week uh, as we head into opening day. We do, as we always do, have a starting five draft, and this week, and the interpretation of this is going to be very interesting. It is steroid baseball players, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure we can define this now live in front of the audience because this was a, a bit half baked as we headed into the into the show. Are we talking most successful ones, our favorite ones, and do they have to have tested positive, or are we just leaving this fully up to interpretation? In my us, brain, absolute shenanigans in this draft. In my brain, this is a draft of just like the steroid era, and I'm trying to draft players who just embodied the steroid era that's what i have it in my head okay i like who that embodies that the most i like this so we don't have to say allegedly like 14 times in this podcast embodies the steroid era i think is a good way to say didn't yeah this yeah do you just want to do the massive disclaimer up front 
Yeah, we're not defaming anyone on this show. We're just all of this is alleged. All of this alleged, alleged. If alleged steroids, not accusing anyone of anyone, just they embody the spirit of the steroid. We're not saying anybody did <laughs> any put any stuff in did, their blood. We're did, not saying anybody. People that did, people that did. I have the list of people that have tested positive in front of me. So. We're not saying anybody put anything in their butt. We're not saying anybody had any herpes. We're Nothing. just going to do a Nothing. podcast about players who just embodied, played well the later in their careers 90s in the 90s. Early OOs <laughs> and did that exceptionally well. Maybe, maybe their wives were bodybuilders. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we, we're back around the horn here on draft. RDT, you have the first pick. I have the second pick. Banks has the double pick. I mean, we've had some pretty clear one ones in the past. I don't, I don't think, think this is a clear one one, by the way. Yeah, oh, I just, think it's this, I think it's easy. I think there are I think there's three or four candidates for this. There's like three, I think, knockout picks. Yeah. I mean, it's gotta be Bonds. Bonds okay. has to be the number one alleged steroid guy. The 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 head size growing, the I mean the mammoth bombs, the the numbers pat you know in his in his career after turning 30 and and into every single year until he was like 55 like he could still come out and hit 35 easy like if you even go and look at like the last year that he played i think he still hit like 22 or 20 25 he did and that was like in 600 plate appearances and like 350 at bats they were still walking the shit out of him and like and i think i think he hit like 270 it's not like making these numbers up but in my head he like just got completely he got blackballed. I mean, people don't really talk yeah, about that. He, he got, got completely hundred percent dead. Is yeah, it blackballed I mean, or is it blacklisted? It's both. I think it's both. Both. You could both do of them. Both. Blackballed yeah. is in this context makes more sense. But yes. Like his sure. last his last season, he played in 126 games. He led the league in walks. <laughs> his on base percentage was 480. He hit 276, 28 home runs, 66 RBIs. I'm just laughing oh, yeah. how preposterous the numbers walks. are. The amazing walks, part, 54 strikeouts. He had the best baseball reference page that will ever exist. There is not so many bold numbers fun, on here. It's amazing. There is not a more fun baseball reference page to look at than Barry Bonds. It's not. He, I mean, yeah, as you said, at 42, led the league in walks, led the league in on base percentage, and made the All Star team. There's really no reason he could not have kept playing. Like, how long could he have kept playing? He didn't even qualify, technically. He had 477 plate appearances. And he led the, the league in walks. Like, I mean, he could have played. He, he led the league in walks in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of his last eight ga- years. And the one year he didn't, he only played 14 games. Like, he had 232 just- at age 39. Had 232 walks and 41 strikeouts. That is preposterous. Struck out over 100 times one time, and that was his rookie year. He's an incredible player. (laughs) We could do a whole podcast. I was going to say our next podcast after the Ravens secondary is just going to be Barry Bonds baseball reference. It is just such an interesting sports story. I mean, he is just not – he should be – you know, baseball has has – you know, not evaporated, but lower to popularity in the, in the grand scheme of sports. He was probably at the tail end of as baseball was sort of, you know, the NFL was just taking over as the King sort of in the late nineties and the early two thousands, if it hadn't already earlier than the decade, Barry should be 
like a beloved figure for what he did in America's pastime. And he's not talked about or seen at all. He's just like, he just races his bike. It, it is just yeah, he's super skinny and he, and he bike. Yeah. Rides. The whole thing is just bizarre, but yeah. Barry Bonds is also who I would have taken one, one, but I do think there are arguments for others for one, one for me. And I, I agree. I think there's a top three here. I'm, I, I'm, <laughs> I have to take this guy just because as a kid watching him was so incredibly exciting. I'm taking Sammy Sosa. Sammy Sosa to me is the guy that epitomizes the giant leap from like very good player to I'm hitting 60 home runs every single year because I'm injecting things allegedly into my body. That to me is, that is what he represents in the steroid air to me and embodies to me. There are, I think the guy that you're going to take banks, I think is a 100% could have gotten taken here or number one. Uh, Bonds obviously is a tremendous number one pick. I think Sosa is a fascinating aspect of this era. Um, and a guy that to me is like, he wasn't six, three, you know, two whatever he was six foot and skinny. And then, you know, just started, you know, taking hops and hitting 65 dingers as like a 33 year old. It's just a wild, he's a wild story to me. And then what's happened to him after has been bizarre. The stuff with the skin pigmentation, he played for the Orioles. I mean, it's just a, I, I, Sammy Sosa. I just, <laughs> I always think about Sammy Sosa when I think about that era of baseball, um, along with, I'm sure, along with Bonds and I'm sure the guy that Banks is about to take. Man, I, I had already assumed that you were going to go with who I will be taking now, but I was I was very ready to just be like, okay, well, I'm getting Sammy Sosa. I'm very happy about that because, I mean, who doesn't love Sammy Sosa? Like, even with Sosa. the fallout and the way things worked out or whatever, him coming to Baltimore, I don't even think you mentioned that. Um, no, I did. Blake, it was, it was yeah, amazing. I was so excited. I was, I was sorry. I was like – Re, reshifting my draft board because I was surprised by the move. So, um, but yeah, Sammy's freaking sweet. Um, and the next pick has to be it has to be McGuire. There's no question about yeah, it. Correct. Yep. Yeah, McGuire yeah. is surefire. Um, I mean, he kind of redefined it. Like he he was the first guy that really brought the steroid thing to a forefront. Like I think there were people who who were in all the circles that knew that this was a thing going on and it was just kind of accepted within those circles, but it became problematic for some people when they were just observing who Mark McGuire was and how big his, his biceps were and all that kind of stuff. And then he did the whole, did the whole shenanigans with the Andro and his locker. And he's like, well, this is my supplement that I take. That is whatever it was like legal and all that stuff. And, I'm not here to talk about the past. An iconic moment. Mm-hmm. That is an iconic moment. Him with the glasses there and the, uh, the congressional hearing or whatever that was. Um, yep. He's just he's just a massive human being. Like he's just. I mean, you remember when they came out with those uh, those two like wiffle ball bats? There was like oh. the version and the McGuire version. The McGuire like, was the best. Bombs. Those things were awesome. Um, but it was like, yeah, the the steroid era, just like in my head, is McGuire like. Bonds was like the the champion that came out of that. He was the truly like gifted player, and these guys were all gifted. But like Bonds was the guy who was gifted. That was like these guys are 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 blowing right past me. That's not fair. I'm gonna I'm gonna roid up too. And he showed them. He really allegedly did. Allegedly. 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 Thank allegedly. you. Um, 
I know we gave him the number, but I but McGuire was like the guy who really pushed it over the edge. Mm-hmm. Um, I just remember his yep. neck looking like, like a thing of ham, like just so big. It's, I mean, like, he's just a huge dude. It's kind of sweet too at the, that, like somehow when McGuire got in the spot he got to and pushed it from 57 to 70 home runs is when the steroids happened to kick in for Sosa. And we got one of the greatest summers of baseball we've ever seen, which is like my first baseball memories are, are kind of like a little bit of 2131. I was five years old. And then a little bit of like Randy Johnson and the 97 Mariners Orioles series and that whole thing. A little bit of Jeffrey Mara mixed in. We don't need to get into that. Mm-mm. And then when it the, when it starts to get more vivid for me is like Sosa McGuire. That's like yep. that was it. Like that was the thing for somebody born in '91 like myself. And McGuire was the king of that. So, anyways, that's my long Mark, Mark McGuire explanation. Also, by the way, beat a series of PGA Tour golfers at their their skills challenge. They do a skills challenge every year, uh, or they, at least they did back then. And they all like do a longest drive contest. They do like uh, closest to the pin from like 175 yards. They do like a bunker shot. They do like um, like a punch shot where they like put the players all in the same spot from behind a tree. And they all try to, he beat the PGA tour golfers at this. Like he beat them at their own game. That's how good of a golfer he is. And if you go look up on YouTube, him hitting golf balls, his golf swing is absolutely gorgeous. Looks perfect. So I believe it. Big Mac, heck of a golfer. Uh, the next pick is where it starts to get a little bit like you go some different directions. Um, I think I think this is the next logical pick, though, and that's got to be A-Rod, allegedly, mm-hmm. for having done some alleged steroids. <laughs> um, and also having definitely done steroids because he said as much. Um, and the, his, his story arc of just how he's perceived is one of the more incredible story arcs that I think I've ever seen from an athlete where like we are four for four. We are four for four with really incredible career transformations. It is right. It's not just the career transformation for him. I mean, he was, he was number one. Oh no. And public, no, but like public perception. Well, right. In and out of stars. Wires never really recovered bonds. Not so much either, but there's a good sect of baseball fans that, like appreciate the shit out of what Barry Bonds is. People want Barry Bonds back in baseball. Like they, they, yeah, they do. McGuire got his chance, and he. I don't think he's still a hitter, hitting coach. I don't. I know. He, he was for three the Dodgers. He was. But he was doing Arizona. that for a good, good handful of years. And um. But anyways, A Rod, with him, I mean, another guy, stupid talented, came in the league super young and did some special stuff, probably well before he ever touched the stuff, and then getting that monster contract and, and doing the whole kissing himself in the mirror thing. Like (laughs) he's just really an unbelievable character. And then just everybody hating him and then him getting caught. And then he kind of like, what did he do? Do it again and get caught again and apologize on what wasn't Oprah or who was that? That he was one of those like the whole thing. Yeah. One of those sit down things and um, 60 minutes type thing. And for him to like, turn the corner on that and then um doing like the shark tank and doing mm-hmm. the, the, media the, the media stuff and, and i mean he turned it around with dan katz like it's unbelievable he got in a perfect 
studio crew with Frank Thomas and Pete Rose. Pete Rose. Where <laughs> you have clean cut Frank Thomas, and then you have essentially two guys reviled by a lot arguably, of people. Arguably two of the arguably, most hated baseball players ever. Ever. And those guys somehow had a had a chemistry in those Fox and, and A-Rod just became likable. He was likable as there's that famous video. Now that's on YouTube of him asking Pete Rose about hitting and those guys mm-hmm. going back and forth about hitting. I think A-Rod realized that as an inquisitive, you know, question asker and, you know, a guy that was curious, that's what he does. On, I mean, that's what he does on the podcast with big cat. He is sort of likable. In He's that really role, good at it as opposed to a, you know, sort of pompous, you know, up and I'm a rod, like I'm a rod. I'm good looking and great at baseball and everyone should just like me. Cause I'm a star. He actually showed he has some personality and has made himself like, it's an incredible J-Lo, the JLo thing. Generally liked though. now. He, I, he, people like a rod. They like him. A rod. Yeah. I mean, some of that stuff helped him, but like I, I did a 180 on him myself. Like, yeah, he's great on T. He's not as good in the booth. He is really good in the studio. Uh, also, shout out to that Eastern Shore guy who turned his back to him every time he was up at camp. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, that I was, can play for me any day. <laughs> I was at the game that he his first came back from hip surgery and the and the steroid stuff in Camden Yards, and it was I think he hit the first pitch that he saw for a home run, and I've never heard Camden Yards that loud. Like I'm talking any playoff game I've ever been to. It just. It was well. It was also overrun with Yankee fans, but it was unbelievable. The whole shock of it and everything. It, yeah, I mean, it was it, it was a storybook. Like you he, couldn't you couldn't have written it any better. Yeah, the thing. Uh, Lindor signed three forty three forty one. Wow, ten years wow. right at the buzzer. That seemed like right it was not going to happen at all, and then suddenly it literally happened. two hours ago, it was like, oh, they're they're stuck and they're not going to yeah. get this. Hard to turn down three forty one. Yeah, yeah, three forty. No, three forty one. Let's get the. Paper. Congrats to him. Um, and the other the other thing. Um, cool thing he did was what when he came back from the year-long suspension or whatever what was it like was it like ryan dempster or like kevin millwood or something mm-hmm. was like tasked with having to Hitting beat him. him and he missed him i think and yep. then a-rod just hit, baseball a-rod just hit an absolute tank and it was just like wow that's just you gotta you gotta tip your cap to that i think he missed him hit him and then so A Rod like walk he did the slow walk and he took his his elbow guard off and all that and then I think the next at bat I think he hit him yeah and it was in Fenway and it was yeah it was it was Dempster I remember that game so that's the A Rod McGuire is a is a is a solid start uh, with the fifth pick here I'm between two and ultimately when I think of the steroid era you know there's a lot of moments on the field that encompass you know what that meant i think that the most notable off-field moment in the history of the steroid era is i did not take steroids period and that's why rafael mm-hmm. palmero is goes with the fifth pick mm-hmm. a defiant point at u.s congressman and then and then just <laughs> absolutely falling apart and, and and getting suspended i mean it is just it's just incredible. The guy pointed and then tested positive. <laughs> a tough, tough scene for Rafi Balmero. Longtime Oriole. An incredible college baseball player from Mississippi State. There's an amazing documentary on the SEC mm-hmm. Network about the uh, Mississippi State team. He was yeah. on with Will Clark, Thunder and Lightning. Incredible stuff. Um, they didn't even like each other, but they were just an amazing combination. 
but that that clip has been played a million times you know it's an iconic clip it's incredible that star baseball players were in a congressional hearing i mean that that is something that would be covered you know it was covered wall to wall then i mean it would be it would be wall to wall social media fodder forever now i mean imagine that now in today's era um and palmero was a great player who was clearly enhanced by steroids he tested positive don't need to say allegedly guy took him just straight up lied to congress straight up lied amazing he's he goes fifth for me that's good. I mean, it's a great pick. It's it's a you know it hits home because obviously we remember those Viagra commercials and the the home runs <laughs> in the Utah street. Um, uh, I've I mean I've got a lot still sitting here. I, all right, so this one I'll go, and you talk about another guy who like the off the field stuff with him is just great, and this one almost the way that he tested positive was so funny. Uh, it's Manny Ramirez. Mm. because of the whole like oh he tested positive what was it for the um um it's what like is the it called estrogen hiding thing yeah it was like a thing that that pregnant ladies masking take. yeah and like that's what it was just talked about and i mean again manny's just a character in himself and he seemed like a guy who said no you know i'll allegedly take this whatever um also just a hell of a ball player arguably one of the most the top two or three best right-handed hitters ever i think is the consensus sure yeah um my next one cool i mean I, the, the who's who i mean they're all sitting here if we're going stereotypical 90s meathead hit balls farther than than anyone you know than you could ever imagine it's got to be jose canseco yeah who yeah. I don't, I was, we don't have to toss allegedly in there because his book is called Juiced. Um, <laughs> I was I curious okay as to when one. we were going to – like where he would fall in the order here. He could have gone one. He, he could have gone, gone first because of like how, my criteria that I laid out. I probably had him ahead of Palmero and, and Manning, to be honest, for myself, for my own board. He wasn't getting past me at the next pick. I'll tell you. Okay, that. <laughs> I, I had him down my list a little bit, so when I saw the name there, I kind of like, I I gotta take him because I mean I, I couldn't I couldn't not take him. So again, like if we're going off '90s, me if 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 a, an alien is coming down and was like describe '90s baseball to me, like you might as well just show them like here's Jose Canseco. There's the mullet. There's the you know the Bash Brothers. I mean, the home run he hit in Toronto is just stupid. I think he hit one in New York too. That's like still going, and now he's making a lot of money boxing twenty-one-year-olds. So, good prose. The the yeah, the Canseco second or third act or fourth act or whatever is going on right now is super bizarre. Um, Talk about but, a guy not beloved. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he 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 couldn't be less beloved at this point. Um, but yeah, I mean, the juiced book was. I mean, it's just. It's amazing now where baseball fits in the public conscience. We've obviously had some baseball scandals since you know, the cheating scandal and everything. I mean, the juice, that was such a big deal. I mean, that was a humongous deal. I mean, the, we, I keep going back to this congressional hearing. I mean, they summoned the, the two of the biggest stars in sports in Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire, or excuse me, and Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire and stuck them in front of Congress. I, I guess mm-hmm. that's not happening right now. I mean, that no. was, just absolutely wild that that was going on and, and Canseco's book and, and everything that surrounded it was, was such a big part of that. 
and oh, also I, oh like we shit on Jose Canseco. Jose Canseco was a joke when he was naming all those names and talking about the book. And then when the book came out and he nailed every name and it was like, yeah, they, they're on the, you know, the Mitchell report. It's like, I mean, we called him an idiot and we made fun of him, but he, he was telling the truth. Like, that's the thing. Like he, he sold out and he, he sold a lot of his friends out and, and ex teammates and all that, but guy wasn't lying. Like he, he, he called a shot. Yeah. He was just a wild, wild situation. Okay. What do I, what do I want to do with this pick? It's, it's, I feel like a lot of the, the, you know, the heavy hitters for me, at least in terms of what I think about at the top line are out. And I'm trying to think about what I want to do. With you could pick. have some fun with some of these picks. I'm, I know I'm looking at my, I'm looking at my, I can't get over one of them. I, I can't, I, I don't know if I can get past it to make another pick. I just want to get this story in front of me so I can, I can tell it to the best, best of my abilities here. Um, I, I think I'm going to take the, I think I, I can't get over the, the, the Miguel Tejada B12 shot thing. So I'm taking him. I, I, I keep thinking about it. And obviously he, he's, he's <laughs> plays a big part in our lives <laughs> with the Orioles and won the home run derby. The whole thing with the B12 and the shot and the bathroom and, and Palmero and he, he's he 38. Yeah. And how old is he? And it's, <laughs> I just, it's just kind of a perfect, you know, he's, he's such a small guy who, who hit with so much power, um, you know, in our lives for a long time, you know, pleaded guilty for perjury. I, I put him on my team. I think he te- didn't he test positive again when he was with the Royals, like uh, their minor league system. Like, 105 games yeah. <laughs> in 2013 with the Royals. People forget he also he had that second go round with the Orioles. It's wow. Yeah, it was, well. <laughs> yeah. The, whole, the whole thing is just absolutely bizarre. He's just such a such a bizarre. By the way, also in an era when the Orioles that was a giant signing. You guys oh, a MVP, six years, seventy two million. Led the led baseball in RBI. He had like 152 150. RBIs or something, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah so it was a monster. Like that's a legit. It was a pretty good contract. Season. Very good contract. I mean, he was incredibly productive. Yeah. That's 70, 70 million, 72. They million? signed him and Javi Lopez in the same. And I that think was, was I mean, one more signing they made as well that, that paired with them. They almost because that was the offseason, they almost did Vladdy too. Yeah. Yep. We're, we're talking, we're talking B12, so he's on my team. <laughs> yeah, I was uh I didn't think that you were gonna take him, but he was gonna be one of my two picks when it came around here. Um yeah. So I am I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go a different direction here, I think, to start off, and I'm gonna take our first pitcher. Um mm-hmm. and it has to be it has to be Roger Clemens. It's obvious pick. Yeah, for, yeah. I mean, he's he was guy. Yeah, he was I that was the one I was gonna pick before Canseco. Yeah, Roger Clemens. Um He's just like embodies the pitching version of Barry Bonds, where it made no sense that he was getting just getting better and better at age 38, then 39, then 40. And it was like, what the hell is going on here? And uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's the rocket and he's, you know, not to steal a nickname from another pitcher, but he's a he was a fucking unit and he always was. But when you got the steroids in the mix, I mean, he just became an absolute hoss. And uh, him just having that, that like the way that the Yankees started to just 
accumulate these steroid guys and and then found like the pitching version of him and he had this whole <laughs> second or third wind of a career that he had where he kept like doing a thing with the Yankees and the Astros and back and forth and doing that whole thing. I'm like, not pitching on the road. I'm just going to pitch at home. <laughs> yeah. Like, like that was, that's insane. Yeah. Good for him, but good God. Yeah. And, I, and, and this, this era was very full of guys with, with massive egos. And I feel like that's part of the whole steroid era notion. It just kind of goes hand in hand with it. And this guy had a massive ego. So that's going to be that pick. Um, this is where the board starts to get a little shaky. Uh, do I, do I want somebody who I don't care for on my actual team? Like, what am I trying to do here? Um, I'm going to allegedly take David Ortiz. No, I'm taking ah, David Ortiz and he's my, my pick of an alleged steroid user. Watch out for the pay phones. Um, watch out for the pay phones. Way to get out in front of that one. Um, yeah, he, wasn't much of anything in, in Minnesota, I'll tell you that much. And uh you know who he hit I I know he hit a grand slam. I was gonna say it's either his first grand slam or first home run. I think it was first grand slam off Pedro. Which is kind of cool. Yeah, kinda cool. If you're but, into that stuff. Remember yeah. when he got shot too? I almost I literally forgot all about that. People forget I, I had also forgot about that. That yeah. one yeah. That was a weird day on Twitter. That was a very weird. Week. That was a weird one. When when was that? It was like it was summer 2019. Okay, I was trying to think of like how much. Yeah, he kind of like I guess he recovered and he made like a couple public appearances and then like mm-hmm. this whole pandemic thing just showed up and everybody forgot about all the news stories that had kind of been recent up until that point. So, um, <clears throat> David Ortiz. Good pick. I, I, that's I was yeah, gonna go. I, that's a, that's a good pick. That's a very very good pick. Uh, I'm also gonna take a pitcher here, and uh, once again, really doesn't have anything to do with these just seminal moments live in my mind from the extended steroid era. Uh, the worst of the apologies, Andy Pettit. One of the worst of public apologies yep. in the history of sports. Uh, sounded like an absolute jabroni in every single way, and got rightly destroyed for it in every publication in America. Uh, pathetic, just pathetic. He was pathetic. Oof. He was a pathetic figure, and uh, he he joins my team as just a, an absolute joke uh, from an apology perspective. Shows shows just, just awful, just awful, mm. and 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 clearly did steroids. So he, he's even worse. He can't even apologize for doing the thing that he did wrong. Now, unless you want to get into philosophical discussion, which should we just let them take any drugs? We can do that after the draft. Uh, but yeah, Andy Pettit, awful apology, got crushed for it, rightfully. But also, he also, like, he got away. Like, he doesn't get dragged like Roger Clemens. Does not get no. dragged. <clears throat> I think it's because people perceive not because I don't think it's more. I think it's less because if his apology was good, and I think it's more that Clemens is such an asshole. <laughs> everyone, about it, yeah. yeah, yeah. That everyone just wants to drag him because they can't stand him. It's the same as Bonds. Also, I, nobody had apologized ever at that yeah. point yet. So he, he was, was kind of the first to do it. As shitty as first, it was, which is incredible. Which is incredible. It makes it more sorry, excuse me. It makes it more incredible that his apology was crushed because the fact that he's actually apologizing was noteworthy. That's how bad his apology was. I mean, he he was <laughs> gonna get the benefit of the doubt just for apologizing and made himself look like a clown. Welcome to the team, Andy. <laughs> um, I'm going another just fantastic story just about it. Um, Ryan Braun. 
and his whole <laughs> like the, the whole day. like did he do it did he not oh wait a minute this fedex driver delivered it like a day <laughs> later like 12 hours late and it was like the wrong temperature or something so they had to throw it out and then a rod being or not a rod uh different a rod aaron Rodgers being like well i know him he wouldn't do this if 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 he tests positives, I'll donate my, or if he gets suspended or whatever, I'll donate my whole paycheck. Like that doesn't get talked about. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Aaron Rodgers literally was like, he didn't do it. I'll, do- that. I'll donate my whole paycheck. Like God just skates free on that. So, um, <laughs> and Braun, Braun's still a free agent. He's kind of kicked around the tire or he's, he's kind of tossed around the idea of um, retiring, but. I hadn't realized that, that even. Guys should, come to, guys should come to Baltimore. Yeah, I was gonna say, sign Why him up. What, what the hell? Yeah, what do we got to lose? Him and we'll put him and Davis back to get back to back. Um, and my last pick, uh, I'm gonna go Jason Giambi. Yeah, yep. Just because, again, you talk about like the '90s meathead, just bigger than life, can hit balls and insanely far, and like, and then again joining the Yankees team. And, and I mean, there are so many guys on those teams that were just roided out of their minds. Allegedly. <laughs> um, I didn't know that his brother did them too. Maybe if his brother hadn't taken steroids, he would have been a little faster and, or could have slipped just saying, you know, but yeah, I'm, I'm finishing my team with uh, Jason Giambi. There's a lot of ways I could go here. Um, but I, I, this when I was doing the research for this and looking at people um, and we, we've talked about a lot of stars, right? We've, we've talked about a lot of high level guys, a lot of elite guys, a lot of potential hall of famers. I have, I, I have to take someone that is about a hundred rows lower than that. And I'm taking Jay Gibbons. I am taking Jay Gibbons two great seasons with the Orioles. And then you could tell when he allegedly stopped allegedly taking steroids his bat speed did not allegedly become about as slow as anyone has ever swung a bat in a major league game. No offense to Jay. I'm sure he's a nice guy. You know, I'm not trying to, not trying to come for the guy's throat, but I mean, it's just a class. That was a classic elevated himself from a guy that probably shouldn't have been there to a guy that could hit home runs allegedly, allegedly, but he was cited in the Mitchell report. I mean, got suspended by the Orioles at the beginning of a season, you know, T- took switched his number out of respect for Rafi Palmera. Probably liked the way that Rafi <laughs> allegedly took steroids. Jay's on the team, former Oriole. That's. I was so ready and excited to take him with the last pick. <laughs> I was all fired up for it. Yeah, uh, Jay Gibbons. Yeah, Jay Gibbons is a great pick. Really bringing home there with the Baltimore pick there. Tim, Tim Tebow's buddy. Tim Tebow's buddy. Yeah, yeah. National championship game or SEC championship game? National championship. National championship, I believe, and we'll live in infamy for hitting a dinger and wedding crashers. Yep. Um, so that dude's a legend. Rule five guy, by the way. Yeah, that's that I is, didn't realize that until I, I think I forget it every year until the yeah. recycled like rule here's, five. Here's a guy who did rule this. Five guy. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's like I also don't think I knew what rule five was. That back then. that is the like the degree to which he roided was that he went from rule five to being like a 25 to 30 home run guy, maybe made an all-star game. Not sure, but um, now nah, best season was he, he had that um, sweet 
Uh, this may have been pre-Masson, but that commercial where he was just hitting dingers through the windows of the warehouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They need to redo the great that. great commercial. Yeah, they should. We got to get Adley on that. The problem is it's if it's yeah. just, you know. But uh, 26 years old, 2003, 23 homers, 100 RBIs, 39 doubles, hit 277. That was probably his best year. Had a 20 20- – had a 28 home year, had a 26 home year around there as well. Yeah, he makes upper upper cut swing. Like he he sent him out there. It, yep. That thing that thing slowed down so much, I, he just lost it, and it was mm-hmm. just so seemingly obvious that he allegedly was enhancing his body. Yep. All right, with the last pick here, I'm gonna take the the only reliever, and that's Eric Gagne. I think that's just mm-hmm. just <laughs> had him try to list. add some variety to my team here. Um, it's going to be Eric Gagne. He was so he was untouchable for like three years there, um, and except he blew the what the All Star game the one time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Which was wild. Which I think was the first it, year it counted. That was in the middle of the streak that he was on too, I believe. Like I yeah. think he was in the sort of the it was either a save streak. He or converted eighty four consecutive saves. That's yeah. I mean that's that, that's insane. Again, yeah. going against other all these steroid guys, he was the. the oh. uh, that he had against Bonds is like one of the best at bats ever. I think it's like a 12 yeah. or 15 minute video on YouTube. But if you want to watch two absolute like alpha male just going at it, it's, I mean, it's like a hundred, a hundred. And Bonds is just fouling them off, fouling them off. It's, it's such a great video to watch. All right. That concludes the draft here. That so does we, conclude the we draft. We can dive into all kinds of honorable alleged mentions. Um, David so Segee. Real quick, Artie. I, Bonds, oh shit. Okay, go. Manny Ramirez, Jose Canseco, Ryan Braun, and Jason Giambi. Myself, Sammy Sosa, Rafi Palmero, Miguel Tejada, Andy Pettit, and Jay Gibbons. And Banks has A Rod, Mark McGuire. Not in that order. I flipped them. Uh, Roger Clemens, David Ortiz, and Eric Gagne. It's hmm. complete. To complete the uh, the set there, I was so set on Jay Gibbons that I almost pivoted to Larry Bigby. Yeah, I thought about forget Larry he Bigby. was a steroid guy, mm-hmm. caught red-handed too with suspensions and all that. Yeah, not not an allegedly. He is not an allegedly. Legendary Frederick Key. Uh, any much. honorable any honorable mentions? There, I mean, there's so many to be honest. There's so many. David Segui was the next guy on my David list. David Segui. Yeah. Juan Gonzalez. Fudge. Juan Gon. Nelly. Big one. I like Cruz. Yeah, Nelly Cruz. Jeffield. Maybe. Frank Thomas is a maybe. You Robbie know, you Cano. just don't know. Definitely There's a not. lot of you just don't know. Don't there. you know Robbie Cano? Brett uh, Boone, Melky maybe? Cabrera, Melky Cabrera, another all-time um, off-the-field yes. story. Yeah, the fake Brett, website. Brett Boone's 2001 season is awfully questionable. I was curious if somebody was going to go was going to go there with a certain center fielder for the Orioles. No, 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 no. I was curious no. if somebody was going to go there. We would never Bartolo because we would like to have that person on the podcast probably, um, and also because he didn't he didn't so no, he didn't he, he did never. not he did nothing. No, absolutely. Um, I'm serious. Whatever. Did nobody, nobody went Gary Sheffield. Did we go? No, Chef? I thought about, I thought about Chef. I yeah, about he's my favorite player of all time. So is uh, he really? Well, he's 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 a, he's like my second, like the guy who my favorite, not on the Orioles. It was it's it's Gary. Interesting. 
has to be. Um, Freddie Galvis. Luis, Luis Gonzalez was a guy that uh, had a oh, definitely. gigantic step up. <laughs> Just a gigantic lift. Um, yeah, but he gets a pass for, for the, the World Series. Yeah. Yeah, which, I, by the way, if you go watch to... that clip, this is off on a, t- a bit of a tangent. And Tim McCarver got dragged for a long time, especially on the internet late in his career. He calls exactly what's about to happen. He says exactly. He was. They yeah. bring the infield they bring in. The infield and in. He says, you know, they're going to throw a cutter inside and it, watch for a bloop single over the infield, and it happens five seconds later. I mean, he calls it impeccably. It's a tremendous piece of analysis. I just want to give Tim McCarver that credit because the guy gets destroyed on the internet forever. So, um, Jose Bautista, maybe. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking um, through the guys that tested positive. Um, Andrew Jones. No, 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 Brian Roberts. Albert Bell. Yeah. That, that guy Allegedly all these guys. There's guys here that don't even have any talk about them. So, yeah. Other than speculation. So a lot of alleged getting a lot of alleged. Uh, in terms of tested positive guys, there's just some funny ones that are on here on yeah, this like, list. Like Freddie sure. Galvis was the one like, that I like. Frankie Montas is on here. Marlon Bird, D Gordon, <laughs> Irvin, D. Sam- Gordon, are you Irvin, Irvin, me? Irvin you don't Santana, remember that? Yeah. Cameron, I do. Cameron Mabin, Johnny Peralta. Yeah, Melky, you already Melky, you already said. I mean, Marlon Bird got suspended twice. Edinson Volquez, J.C. Romero, just some sort of you know. Um, uh, Mike Cameron. What's his name? Um, J- uh, who's the Nats announcer? JP FP Santangelo. FP, yeah, I, I kept wanting to say JP too, but I know our buddy JP Finley would not take steroids. No. FP Santangelo, and he'll make the story about him every single time and talk to you about how he played with Bear mm. Buns. Also, by the way, um, the only person to ever be banned from baseball. Do you guys know who oh. it is? Do you remember the guy's name? He has now been reinstated. I don't think he's in the bigs, but he has now been reinstated. I don't. I he's can't a, remember. Pl- played for the New York Metropolitans. Jenry uh, Meha, I believe no, is that you I would Oh, uh, yeah. M- M- um you're 162 game guys. <laughs> Freaking Marlon Bird in 2016, <laughs> Francis Martes in 2020, and Robinson Cano, um, like in 20, ooh, like yeah. a month and a half. Robinson ago. Cano, yeah. I forgot. Obviously, and um, A Rod in 2014. Miggy got in 105 games. Manny Ramirez got 100 games. Guillermo Mota got 100 games. Those what a name! Plus 100 oh, games, guys. Yeah. Hmm. Marlon Bird was like the hot trade deadline asset. It felt he was like always for in three Orioles. straight years. It felt like it was he was the guy that was on on the trade wire. Him yeah. and um him Absolutely. and uh, AJ Burnett were almost Orioles like fourteen times. Yeah, John AJ, Lester, remember that AJ afternoon? Burnett. Oh man, Flaherty and a couple others. John Lester, Lester was an all-time Oriole. I had that blog like typed up and ready to go because, like, that's how much yeah I think we thought it was gonna happen. AJ Burnett had some weird things happen in his personal life, I believe, as well. Yeah, he got his nipples pierced. Yeah. <laughs> he also bunted the ball right into his face. The weird stuff with his wife. Good old Moncton, Moncton, Maryland's finest, baby. Yeah. 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 Well, that's a, that was a fun draft. I mean, that, that is, an, is an incredible era of a single sport where there's an entire perception about 
all these people that now people are trying to actively break down because they want them in the hall of fame because they represent an era. We could go on forever about that. I would put all these guys in the hall of fame. Definitely. Um, they embody, they just embodied what the era of baseball is and it should be, it's a museum. Like it should, it doesn't need to even glorify it. I guess it does, but I don't know. You can't, I, I don't look down on these guys. You if you're gonna, you can't go back and character police the guys that took steroids. And I'm not, you know, correct. If you're not going to go back and character police, and they're going to put Bud Selig in the Hall of Fame if they haven't already. I think he isn't. So it's like he enabled all of it, and I'm not, is- and I'm not even bashing him for enabling it. It was awesome. No, so everybody it, agrees it was awesome. So here's this is this is like a debate that goes on for like three hours on Joe Rogan's podcast. So we don't have to get too much into this. Would you guys allow steroids to be taken? You, yeah. I think if you're in the home run derby, you should be able to take a cycle for two weeks leading up. And you get to, <laughs> and you get to use it and you get to use a metal bat in the derby. I think that we can expand on this. So you're trying to you're trying to kill the kids that are sitting in the outfield fielding the ball. <laughs> oh, I want them. I want blood is literally on the batter's hand. I've blood. been trying to campaign to bring back the home home run challenge for a while now. And if you go Google it on YouTube, there's not enough clips of it to be honest, but they used to do this off-season thing. May have been in Vegas where these in the desert somewhere matched yeah. up. Yeah, they would get matched up and it would be like home run derby, but it would be like nine innings and you get three outs. So they would swap three outs and they try to hit as many home runs as they could within 27 outs. And it would be like match play, like golf kind of. They would play nine innings or whatever, and the winner would advance, and it was tournament style. And they did this during the best home run era ever. And there's, I remember like, like Raffy was always a stud in it. There's one where I think McGuire and Conseco got matched against each other. It's electric. So I think to take, to piggyback off your idea is that they should bring that back, let the players do a cycle in the off season, and then do this in like January or February in Vegas or Arizona or whatever. Go to the winter meetings and do it wherever. Yeah. Yeah. Do it at the winter meetings. People would sign up in a heartbeat and watch that. I would love that. God, Scott Boris would be sitting there with his huge binders. We're like, already just like, like moving on to another topic we could do three hours on, which is baseball sucking and marketing themselves. Yeah, we've talked about this before on the podcast a little bit. Everybody and they're, by the way, they're, they brought back the exact same marketing campaign. I was saying this the other day. Um, let the kids play. Let the kids play. Look, we're just out here having fun. Everyone's hey, having fun. Looking for we're looking for Fernando Tatis. He's having fun. Mike Trout's having no fun, but the everybody else, everybody else having tons of fun. We're smiling. We're bat flipping. We're throwing the bats into the stands. We're mic'd up. We're yeah, mic'd we're having up, ba, 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 which is great. And I think it's great for baseball. It's just amazing that they go back to a different iteration of we've got young players every single year with a different set of guys, not a different set of guys. It's a lot of the same guys. It's just like one or two new guys. Every There's year. just one or two new guys. This year it's Tatis. This year, put Tatis on the game. Tatis. Tatis, Tatis, Tatis. And I love Tatis. I mean, he is awesome, but it is funny that they, you know, they're just, they're just desperately, desperately, desperately trying to, to stay relevant among the younger generation. It's tough. It's tough. You got 40,000 people watching <laughs> TikTok drama. It's tough to tough to get him to watch baseball tomorrow, probably. Um, yeah, I we could do we could do a whole podcast on baseball marketing. That would be mm. that would be interesting. Such a it's becoming it's becoming not national. It's becoming provincial. It's becoming like hockey, where if you 
if you're in your city, you care about it. If you're not, and you don't have a city with a baseball team, you do not care. And that's how sports go. It's the cyclical nature of sports. <laughs> well, and, and next week we'll dive into what was popular in the 1940s and in the 50s and in the 60s. Horse racing. Uh, horse racing, a little boxing talk. <laughs> did a little horse racing. Uh, did a little afternoon at Ocean Downs this past weekend. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Horse racing, is, it's coming back. We're, we're about a month away from the Derby. Uh, Florida Derby was this past week, so, you know. Yeah, we'll get to, der- we'll get to Derby talk definitely when that, when that comes around. Talk. Pre- yeah. Definitely Preakness talk. For sure. Yeah. Uh, Maryland person of the week. Who wants to take it first? I could take it. Uh, take it. Take it. Take it. Uh, stopwatches. Stopwatches are my Maryland <laughs> man of the week. Uh, pro days are afoot, to say the least. Uh, people just posting 40 times left and right, scattering reports, this, that, and the other. People making rash judgments off of kids just throwing footballs or, or just running in a straight line. Um, it's just, it's such a show and people get so worked up and just so lost in the sauce about how it translates to being a good football player. And I just stand at the back and I just laugh sometimes and I just observe like, I don't know. Uh, There's some people really into it and I have a strong appreciation for those people. I can't, I just can't be one of those people. I don't, I just can't, I just can't do it where I just get super ingrained into somebody's shuttle time and their hand size and all this stuff. But I find it all entertaining to watch from, uh, I wouldn't say from a distance, but from nearby. Good pick. Yeah. I, we had um, on the, at the office yesterday, we had the Ohio state pro day on BTN and there was just an eruption from the announcers when Justin Fields made the Zach Wilson throw that was getting a lot of run yeah. to sort of like run back to your opposite and kind of throw back across your body, 60 yards to a guy wearing shorts. And it was they were like, Oh, Justin Fields has proven all the doubters wrong. It's today's pro day. He's yeah. moving on mock drafts. I'm like, great. I mean, he ran an incredible 40. He did. I love it. It was an incredible throw. And all these highlights are all all incredible. Zach Wilson throw was unbelievable. Breaking news. These guys are great athletes. Yes. Like, but (laughs) our buddy, our buddy Jake Bass presented an awesome point that I think about every single year as these things go on, who the fuck cares about how any of these guys do anything in shorts? Like you don't play the game in shorts. So why don't they do their drills? Do this. Seven on seven. Seven on seven. Why don't they do them in pads? Why don't they do them in whatever environment in which you actually do that? Because this is this is an entertainment product. This Correct. is a dog and that is the that is the answer. It's, yeah. it's the combine. The combine is the underwear Olympics. What is absolutely incredible is that the NFL has created things that are one thousand percent boring and made them exciting. Pro day is. I've been at two Maryland pro days in person. What a flex! They are incredibly boring events. Like, I mean, and shout out to the guys that are trying out. I'm not demeaning that. It is. Fu- it was fun to watch. The only thing it was fun to watch Ty Johnson run four three. That was unbelievable. It was really cool. But for the majority of it, like watching guys do reps on the bench. I mean, you know, <laughs> but everyone's was locked into the Alabama Ohio. I mean, it was wall to wall. Lewis Riddick's live on first take from the pro day. It's just <laughs> unbelievable. The NFL it's just, is just it's a sports marketing podcast here. Yeah. Grape in the bottom of the barrel. They are. Yeah. You want to go? Take it, Taylor. Oh, okay. I'll take it. Uh, I mean, I'll give it to somebody. I give it to, I probably give this to 16 times already. Uh, Taylor Swift, new song from the vault. I mean, you know, we're back to country, you know, 
anything I get, you know, she's the constant of my pandemic. We get new songs seemingly every month and, you know, she's going to get it when she releases new songs. She's going to get this award from me. So is that a, is that a, like a, she's going to, never mind. No, no, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, you know, you know, a clip was going back around was Not gonna be after Russell Westbrook's insane uh, game the other night, him singing, was it bad blood? He has, a, he has yeah, a video where he's like lip syncing the song in the car. And after his, his ridiculous game the other night, someone was like retweeting it and they were like, last week I saw when I saw when she announced that she was releasing the song, I literally in, after getting very excited, I said, well, that's Marilyn man of the week person of the week. <laughs> I don't need to think about this again, but I do have some honorable mentions, but RDT, I'll let you go first. Um, I rewatched Dave this last week. Yeah. From when it came, it came out, they timed it perfectly last year with the quarantine. It's just such a goddamn funny show. Uh, Lil Dicky, Dave Bird. It's just, it, it's some of the best TV writing you'll ever see. It's, I've never cringed and like flipped over onto the couch face down more times than I've watched, than, than when I watch that show. It is, again, I mean, just a year later, it's still just as good as when it first came out. It's, it's so good. So shout out. Lil yeah, Dicky, I watched Dave that Bird. for the first time maybe two, three months ago and it was worth oh, it. Like, I, there was a lot of buzz about it and I just like was like, I need to figure out a time to like actually commit to doing this. And I did it and it was awesome. Dave was awesome. Um, in terms of the two shows that came out like over the last year, like Ted Lasso by a nose, mm. but Dave is, Dave is really good too. Yeah. And like, I can't get into TV shows. Like I cannot sit down every week at this time and watch this no. show. And I was doing that with Dave. Like it was, it's just so good. The writing on that show is amazing. Um, and the, the writing I, is really good. Have we talked about the show on this podcast, or I, so. have I just talked about it with some huge Alley fan too? I'm a huge yeah, yeah. Um, We've talked her, about it a little bit on the show because I continue to have no idea what it is. Oh. Yeah, I, maybe we did talk about it on the show, but her her wedding speech, like, oh my god, oh my god, I, I watched the episode two days speech. ago. Like, yeah. tear up a little bit. Like, like whoa. I mean, I did not expect that from that show. Like, that's what that's what we're saying about the writing. yeah, yeah. Like, it, it it really comes out of nowhere because and and I mean, just that whole scene again. The the milking table, <laughs> the 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 very last episode, the whole music video. I mean, the scene in in the the wedding episode when he runs over the when he's he's trying to kill the bunny and he runs over its ears and it just starts. Oh my god. It's just, it's. I mean, it's perfect. Everything about it's perfect. So I may just rewatch it again, like tomorrow. You should watch. Goes, you should watch Ted Lasso. Just I, if I had Apple TV, I would. You should. You should invest in it, like a trial or something. I don't know. Yeah, I may have to. It's worth it just to knock that show out. And honestly, I've watched it twice since I watched it the first time, like a month ago. I watched it a second time already. I'll, I'll find a way. On my flight to the players and back, I watched the entire thing. I will find a way. Um, we on to the honorable mentions here. Honorable mention to today's show for having an exclusive uh, interview with Trey Mancini. Yeah, what a get! Really by great job by them to get a an interview that uh, nobody else out there was able to get, even though many people tried. Um, we tried. We no, tried. No, I'll just. Uh, yeah, no, I'm not being. I'm not actually being petty. Sorry. <laughs> um, Great story for everyone, you know, go back and listen to our episode with Trey Mancini, um, and which, which kind of just 
segues into me throwing Trey Mancini another honor mention for for getting back out there tomorrow or, or the next day when he he gets his thing. So, do I keep going with more honorable mentions? Because I have yeah, let, let, let them roll let them out there. Uh, two friends for following me on Twitter, um, <laughs> and then my last one is scoop. There it is. Did you get an exclusive with two friends on when the new big booty's coming out? Uh, no, but I'm working on it. Are you that that you have to break that from the podcast Twitter? <laughs> I would love to have them on. Well, <laughs> well, that's also true. We would love to have them on. Um, Open invite. The thing is, if I if I earn their trust in order for them to tell me when the next big booty mix is, I can't. You know, that's not the way sources work, Eric. <laughs> the intern, if he wants to break it. <laughs> Um, I've got a few honorable mentions here. First of all, I mean, it's absolute mock draft season. We got three round mocks. We got first round mocks. We got seven round mocks. We got trades and mocks. We got no trades and mocks. <laughs> we have the Dan Patrick show on our office every morning. Guy just talks about mocks the entire show, despite the fact there's like 40 other sports going on. Mock drafts, mock drafts. Uh, <laughs> UCLA Bruins. Thank you. Um, <laughs> that was nice of them. That was... That was very, very nice. That is as petty as Taylor gets. <laughs> uh, Gonzaga, in all seriousness about the tournament, which as RDT mentioned briefly earlier, has been tremendous. Gonzaga is a beautiful basketball team to watch. I mean, they just eviscerated a good USC team yesterday, and they just play so perfectly, and it's just so aesthetically pleasing to watch with Kispert and Timmy and Suggs and Nemhard and all the guys, just a really, really fun team. And I hope they win the whole thing. I think they are the best team. They have, you know, gone through a COVID pause, got through it. They're just a beautiful basketball team. I hope they play Baylor. I think that would be an awesome, awesome, awesome final. And I think Gonzaga would come out on top eventually. Um, I don't think these two semifinals are going to be all that close. I, I, I think they're. You know, I think they're going to be. The spreads kind of, are pretty big. I mean, one yeah, the fourteen points in one of them. Yeah, I mean, I, I UCLA Juzang is going to have to be unbelievable for them to have any chance. Um, and that's what people said about about Mobley and Mobley was pretty good, but they just too much. Uh, and then finally, uh, CT from the challenge. Challenge is, is rounding towards the end here. We're coming around the final bend towards the final. Just a, a, a tremendous season from the OG guy has no allies. He's, he's probably spoiler alert, probably gotten himself into the final after this week, based on how the numbers look. Uh, I've talked about the show a little bit uh, on this podcast, but uh, one of my favorite shows and shout out to the OG CT challenge all-stars on Paramount plus. I'm just giving them free promotion starts tomorrow. So excited for that as well. RDT, any honorable mentions? Um, I, I'm just going to really quick, I'm going to go right off the cuff and give it to the Orioles social media team for this tweet. They tweeted out at midnight and it's exhibit with an Oriole head, the Oriole bird head on him and then baseballs. And it's like, Oh, I heard you like baseball. So we put baseball in your, it's like the, the opening to, uh, what's it called? Pit my ride. Pit and my it's, ride. it's, it's really good. So yeah, that's it. Happy opening day. Happy opening day. Excited for it. Um, Banks, you teased a go-off king at the beginning of the show. Do you want to uh, deliver that to the listeners now? Oh, it's just April Fool's tomorrow. Like, or it's now today. Now it's 12.04 a.m. Uh, here's an idea. Don't. Just wow. don't. Just don't retweet, do it. Like, retweet. You know uh, 
Russell Street Report is going to put out some shitty trade, <laughs> like that the the Ravens traded Orlando Brown Jr. for uh, a box of crabs or something stupid like that. Like you just know it's coming, and I don't mean to disrespect Russell Street Report and what those guys do, but it's every single year it's the same thing. When we were in college, like, the Diamondback would always do it, and it was very rarely funny. It was very. Uh, it's just cringeworthy all the time. And I've got my, as many people do, our high high beams on alert for Michael Strahan to get that gap back in his teeth. Oh, that's that's the fakest one of all time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just, just don't. You got your antennas up for that one, huh? Yeah. Just... Uh, I the thing I don't have like a, a long coherent rant here, which is what Go Off King is supposed to be. My my rant is just don't, just stop it. Don't do it. The, check the Twitter accounts before you retweet, and and, and just yeah, move along with your day. Be on That's high alert thing. for everybody out there, and also don't. If you're thinking about it, rule number one: don't. Rule number two, refer back to rule number one. Well, you should be doing it tomorrow, April 1st. Celebrate Maryland's 2002 national title. It's the anniversary. Go back and watch the highlights. There you go. Of a game that was terrible, but a great moment. It was pretty crummy. Thank God for Butler and UConn. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Because, yeah, they took over. That game was so bad. Um, I think the thing that is kind of – I've never really been – the most fooled I've ever gotten by April Fools is when PTI did an incredible one during the Steph Curry run where they said that, uh, they had to replay the final two minutes and that Steph Curry would get a chance, you know, to go to the final four. I think they were in the lead at that point. I took oh, that yeah. absolute hook, line and sinker got excited for like two minutes, yelled to my parents. And then was like, <laughs> well, I'm an idiot. I think the thing that has gotten like April fools off the map here is the world is so ridiculous. And everyone hears every ridiculous thing that things are just not as funny, like funny April fools. Things are not as funny. Cause we see so many ridiculous things on a daily basis. Twitter is April fools. Cause it's, everything is a story. So like, it's, it's just hard to break through the clutter with something that's really clever and good. Social presences to- for corporations and stuff have become so uniform to some degree where it's like, Hey, you gotta be a little funny or a little personable. And it just becomes this like manual that everybody follows in terms of how to do things. And there's creativity like within those barriers, but doing the April fool's joke is just like, it's so contrived and played out and it just stinks. So just don't. There you have it. Agree. Yeah. And, and, and the, let's focus on opening day as well tomorrow. I think that's the, yeah, that's the story. Eyes on the prize boys. Eyes on the prize. Baseball is back. It's back in Baltimore. It's back around the country. We'll be back talking about opening day at the yard next week. Um, I, I can't wait. I can't wait for that little buzz to be back as we continue to push through to a normalcy here. That's enough for this week's edition of the exit 52 podcast. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media channels at X52Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. There will be no April Fool's content coming from either of those, nor will there be any coming hmm. from at Barstool Banks. Maybe. Oh, my God. Maybe. That would be a disaster. <laughs> that would be a disaster. Hmm. Talk to the intern, RDT. That's your guy. I would like to dis- disassociate myself with this narrative. And <laughs> you can follow Barstool Banks for, for – yes for straight facts only on his Twitter tomorrow. <laughs> you can follow Eric. I mean, who knows after that little, hmm, who knows what that's going to be. You can follow him at E 
D-I-T-T-I-22 on Twitter. Once again, thanks to our sponsor, Jimmy Seafood, and we will see you next time on the Exit 52 podcast. Thank you.